this hour by Frederick Remington fully cooked ready to eat bacon. Exclusive no refrigeration 10 year extended shelf life bacon. The thickest media center cut bacon in the industry at fullycookedbacon.com. Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Peter Cohen, outspoken blogger and podcaster. And a little bit later, we'll hear an encore appearance from Dr. Timothy Summers. He's the ethical hacker. We've got all this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. So we're joined by Peter Cohen this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. And I notice he has a brand new avatar on Skype where you see this guy who is actually smiling and he's wearing sunglasses that may have been borrowed from the men in black. Is that correct, sir? Uh, No, those are mine. Okay, so you are one of the men in black. That is correct, yes. Okay. You're a galaxy defender then. A galaxy defender. That's right. And I'm sorry that you're, you are going to have to, you know, look at this uh, thing that I've got in my hand after uh, the show's over. Just stare into it. Might leave you with a bit of a headache. Well, you know, at my age, I don't need a neuralizer to <laughs> make my memory disappear. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Thank you, you for agreeing with me. Just noticed a story came up and you may or may not have seen it. That Apple cut the prices on the iPad, what is it, the iPad Touch, okay? Cut the prices, and so there's now what? They've got the 32-gigabyte version is 199, used to be 16 gigabytes, that sort of thing. The 128 used to be 399, it's 299. More important, the iPod Nano and the iPod Shuffle have shuffled away. Have shuffled this mortal coil. Yeah, it appears that Apple has uh, seriously curtailed uh, the iPod line. Are people even buying those things anymore? I mean, they haven't changed anything for several years. Yeah, I mean, the iPod has been dying on the vine for a while from sort of benign neglect from Apple. Apple really hasn't done much outside of updated um, colors and capacities to the iPod Touch in a while. It's got an A8 chip in it. It's a very nice machine, a very nice device. But, you know, more and more uh, families are, are giving their kids iPhones or, or, you know, other smartphones. Or if they're like our family, they have, you know, sort of a trickle-down philosophy where, uh, you know, the big breadwinners get the premium phones. And over time, those premium phones go to those in the family who have needs uh, for those sort of devices. So we've got, like in our family, we've got everything from an iPhone 5S straight up to an iPhone 7. Um, and they sort of make their way through people's hands like, you know, cherished hand-me-down clothing or uh, family china. Well, we have nobody to hand them down to. My son has his own life and his own MacBook Air, and he's perfectly happy with it. Now, I was looking at the dates here. The iPod Touch that you now get with the new storage configurations was updated in July 2015. Mm-hmm. The iPod Shuffle 
was last updated in 2010. That means for seven years, they've offered the same product at the same price. The iPod Nano was updated in 2012. Five years, same product, same price. So I guess when people complain that the Mac Mini hasn't been updated and has remained unchanged since 2014, well, I guess that's not a big deal. It, well, yeah, precisely. And I mean, it's, it's worth considering it from this perspective, Gene. Uh, you know, uh, biologists point out that the shark hasn't evolved in, you know, 150 million years, substantially. You know, that it's the same fish that was floating around in primordial oceans. There's a point at which a, a consumer electronics product is mature and will continue to sell without, you know, a lot of evolution or refinement. And I think Apple found that balance with the iPod line for a very long time. And I mean, it's Apple's trimmed the iPod line before. Of course, you know, the click wheel iPod or the iPod classic, uh, you know, the original design based on the click wheel iPod, that, that device was discontinued. Uh, and at the time that Apple discontinued it, it, it explained that it just could no longer get the parts that it needed because that device actually used a hard disk drive, a tiny hard disk drive for storage. And there were companies that Apple was sourcing them from, just that, that supply dried up and, and Apple was not a big enough consumer of them to merit that, that product development continuing. Uh, I don't think that that's the case either with the Shuffle or the Nano, or for that matter, with the Touch either, although the Touch remains you know, a selling product. The technology that goes into each of these devices is pretty straightforward. But you know, the Shuffle and the Nano have kind of occupied a fringe space in the iPod lineup for a while, and that's because they're not iOS devices. You know, they're dedicated uh, purpose devices that have to work with iTunes on a host computer in order to have content put on them. The user experience of using one is a little more awkward than uh, the user experience of, of using an iPod Touch. And I, I think for that reason, Apple kind of curtailing them makes good sense. But I, I just expect that because of Apple's benign neglect, consumers just have been less and less interested in these devices and more and more interested in devices that can run iOS. Well, and the thing about the iPod Touch is it's perfect for someone, say, a younger member of the family. You don't want to give them a smartphone, but you're happy to give them something which has all the other features. Yeah, the iPod Touch exactly doesn't have the ability to make phone calls, but you know, it's it's straight up, you know, a fairly inexpensive device. It's compared to the cost of a premium smartphone. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you've got a kid that wants to play iOS games, uh, or if you do, um, and you don't want to do it on your your smartphone, if you wanted to get a dedicated device to it, the, the iPod Touch remains a, a very viable option for folks. And, and because it's part of the iOS ecosystem, it's well supported. I mean, Apple, I think in this case, maybe could have put out a press release, you know, talking about how the iPod was such a major product for Apple rather than unceremoniously just dropping it from the product line. We're talking about something here that really changed what Apple became. The first iPod showed up in 2001. A thousand songs in your pocket, courtesy of a tiny standard hard drive. And the one thing, of course, we remember from that is how many people out there got these iPods and the hard drive failed? I mean, that wasn't uncommon. A year or two, the drive's gone. And maybe it's not so bad with five gigabytes, but when you have an iPod Classic with 160, it got to be a bit much. 
Well, that was the uh, but that was the big selling point of the iPod. T- I mean, of the iPod Classic for a very long time, right? It had the capacity, unlike any other device. You could get an iPod Touch at the same time that Apple was selling the iPod Classic, but you could put nowhere near as much on it as you could. And in, in and and that's no different now. I mean, 128 gigs is as big as an iPod Touch gets. So, uh, if your music library is is bigger than that, and you want to take it all with you. You have to rely on Apple's cloud services um, in, in order to make that happen because there just isn't a device in the product, the iPod product line, big enough uh, with that capacity. But you know that was kind of a f- I, that I, I recognize that as as a fringe uh, requirement for most of us. Most of us don't have that much music. Most of us don't need that. The people who are complaining about it were, you know old disc jockeys, you know, and uh, uh, big music collectors. Oh, in other words, like you and me, Gene. Actually more like Kirk McElhern. McElhern too, yeah. There's a guy who uh, collects a lot of music. A lot of classical music, which means longer form music. So, you know, 160, 128 gigs now. But 99.99% of potential iPod owners, well, works for them perfectly well. In our next segment, we want to get to a couple of other things, and this is interesting. It kind of gets into politics, but obviously you can't get away with that. We have to talk about it. The report that Foxconn, one of the major contract manufacturers for Apple gear, is going to open a huge plant in Wisconsin. Now, that thing is immersed in the politics, and I'll try in the next segment to kind of separate the politics from the reality, because the reality is not always... What's well, supposed to be. So we'll get with that. We've got Peter Cohen, and he's here to, as they say, set the record straight, deal with the <laughs> fake news and the foul news and the very yes. foul news also, and deal with it. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. 
rotation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with reputationdefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit reputationdefender.com. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much or more than one medication containing acetaminophen per day can damage your liver. So always read the label and don't take acetaminophen if you drink three or more alcoholic drinks every day. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash OTC pain info. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. So let's look at the story on the surface here. Not the Microsoft Surface, but Foxconn announcing they will spend $10 million to build a plant in Wisconsin. Now, supposedly it will start with 3,000 employees, could employ up to 13,000, and they will employ 10,000 people to build the plant. Now, obviously, the administration, the Trump administration is claiming credit, but you and I know that Foxconn has been talking about opening plants in the USA for several years. I think they date some of these reports back to 2014. In 2013, Foxconn said they had planned to build a plant in Pennsylvania. Do you know of any such plant? I don't. Indeed, yeah, I, I am unaware of any such plant existing at this time. Now, this one, you know, they had the announcement from the president. They had the governor 
of Wisconsin, so I assume it's real. But it's being presented as something all new, not part of a long-term plan with that company. The other thing that I heard is that they're getting $3 billion in tax incentives or bribes to open this plant. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, and in their their defense, the uh, the governor of the great state of Wisconsin, Scott Walker, claims that Foxconn actually won't get that three billion unless it creates thirteen thousand jobs uh, locally in Wisconsin. So I guess there there are some performance numbers tied to that. But you know, the, these things always come with major uh, tax incentives and other incentives for companies to invest in. I, I, I'm taking this news with a grain of salt. I'm, I'm seeing the, the administration take credit for this plan, although, Gene, as, as you noted, uh, Foxconn has for, for a number of years under uh, this administration and the previous one considered opening uh, manufacturing facilities here in the United States. That's great. You know, whatever. You know, it's, a, it's politics as usual. But we'll actually see the proof of the pudding is in the eating, as the expression goes. You know, that's an expression that I hear people mishandle all the time. The the proof is in the pudding. No, it isn't. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. That means let us wait for the results and and judge it on on that. We have to do the same here. You know, with 3,000 people initially making LCD panels, that's great. You know, is, is that a drop in the bucket for manufacturing in the United States? There's no question. But it's nice to see high-tech manufacturing jobs come to the United States in any case. Now, as I understand it, this is going to be mostly or all for TV sets. They're going to build panels for your TV set. It's not going to be necessarily for anything Apple does. Correct. Right. Yeah. So uh, the the president recently uh, made a a comment that Apple would be opening three manufacturing facilities. And uh, to the best of my knowledge, Gene, Apple has not said anything about this uh, publicly. Apple's not going to say anything until there's a real... 100% genuine plant that's going to be announced somewhere. It's also possible that some of the output of this will go to smaller panels and Apple will buy some of that output. So there's never say never. But remember, it can be several years before you actually have this plant in operation. Well, right, exactly. You know, a handshake at a contractor, even breaking ground, doesn't mean that the jobs are there and doesn't mean that uh, 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 things things are magically better. So, you know, what political grandstanding aside, uh, I guess the, 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 the headline here is a uh, large foreign manufacturing company makes a manufacturing investment in the U.S. That's great. We hear a lot of positive things about uh, uh, the manufacturing economy, but uh, it you know, by and large, our, our entire economy has kind of pivoted away from that. So I'm not really sure what 3,000 jobs in Wisconsin is supposed to mean for the rest of the country. Well, consider this, that with a fairly normal employment report, if they add maybe 175,000 to 250,000 jobs in a single month, that's good. This is like, what, less than 1% or something like that, a little over 1%. The second thing to bear in mind here is at the same time that they might be adding people with this plant, the auto plants are cutting back on production of sedans. People want the SUVs and the trucks and the crossovers and the vans. So some plants are losing shifts. That could be hundreds or thousands of people. So you gain here, you lose there. But let's look at the real impact here. And that is Apple building stuff in the U.S. And part of the problem here is that it's not just setting up a plan to assemble something. 
Apple already has parts like the A-series processors built in the U.S. Gorilla Glass and from Corning, for example. And then they're shipped out to the plants in Asia. But it's not that simple just to set up a manufacturing plant here. You need the supply chain. You need all the support components to be assembled in plants around the main one so you get the parts in as you need it. You need the kind of work skills, the tool and die work skills that we don't really have here. So it's not just putting up the plant, it's training people to work in it, doing it in a way that's affordable enough that makes sense to do it here rather than ship everything from China. So that's an important point we have to consider. Absolutely. I think that, um, uh, you know, the, the superficial grandstanding our politicians have about uh, manufacturing jobs aside, Gene, you raise some very practical considerations that uh, show that uh, you know good good wishes for this sort of stuff is there, there's a big difference between that and uh, actual implementation and and having it make a meaningful difference. Um, so you know it is what it is. I don't think it's going to happen so quickly. No. But this is you know fairly typical of how these things work. That this is absolutely this is something where you can state an intention, but it's not that easy to resolve. And just putting some kind of import tax doesn't solve the problem, because what happens there is that there are lots of people in this country who have incomes dependent on the stuff that's being imported. And if you import less gear because it costs more and fewer people buy it, those jobs are lost. You know, all these complexities, all these gray areas that aren't always well-defined. In the end, though, I guess we assume the Mac Pro will certainly be built here in Austin, Texas, the new Mac Pro. Do you think that Apple is going to move in the next few years any decent portion of its manufacturing load to America? I think if it makes uh, financial sense for Apple to do so, or or if Apple's incented to do so, it it very well may. But if it's against Apple's uh, larger interests, then no, it won't. Maybe maybe it'll happen when Ivanka Trump makes all of her clothing and jewelry here. Yeah, maybe that that, uh, that too. Um, the, The Mac Pro, the current Mac Pro, which Apple has... Um, uh, scaled back uh, in in configurations and already announced that it's going to replace next year uh, is made here in the States. And it's the only uh, Mac uh, device, as far as I know, uh, to be manufactured uh, in the U.S. Let's go into more Um, of this. In our next segment with Peter Cohen, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Ralph. Remember when you said you were going to start paying more attention to your health and now you're eating potato chips? Just a few. A few, okay, but you should be eating Superberries Aronia Berries. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from Superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Go to Superberries.com slash radio. And right now we get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. Wow, look at all the benefits of these berries. I know, Ralph, I know. Choose health. Eat purple. Superberries.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. When fresh liquid whey is processed into a dry powder, the special proteins that make up the whey lose their original shapes. They fold in on themselves and lose their functional value. One World Whey undergoes a technological enhancement that we believe restores these potent proteins back to their original shapes the body can use. I chose to try One World Whey first before going to a doctor who would likely only prescribe drugs. To my delight, it worked. After stabbing pain for years, to have it completely gone is a miracle. I'd like to also stress that, for me, it took several months of taking One World Way before I had improvement, and then an entire year for my gut to feel 100% healed. So now I tell my friends, give your body time to make use of the healing power of One World Way. Call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld, W-H-E-Y.com. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. We all know that Berkey water purification systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey water filtration systems. The Berkey light systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey light system to Today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. 
Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. We have Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live talking about Apple's prospects for building more gear in the U.S. I want to remind you the best way for you out there to support the Tech Night Out Live is to sign up for Tech Night Out Plus, get a ad free version of this show, better quality audio for a modest low subscription fee. That's plus.technightout.com for more information. With Peter Cohen, we're talking here about the prospects for Apple to build more in the U.S. But remember, according to Apple, hundreds of thousands or millions of people are already employed in the U.S. as a result of Apple. They're building apps. They're working in the stores. They're working at the main headquarters. They're working, say, in their server farms. They are working already because of Apple's presence and sales. Yeah, I mean, the vast majority of them are Oompa at Apple stores. The vast majority of, of Apple's actual employee base, you know, are at their retail store. So bear that in mind. They're retail workers. They've got comp and benefits and everything else, but they're still retail workers. Um, and yeah, Apple's got, got a, a large base of employees in the U.S. and all that, sure. So uh, in our last segment, we were talking about how the Mac Pro is manufactured uh, here in the United States. And as far as I know, it's the only Mac to be made in the U.S. Uh, all the others are fabricated in China. It hasn't always been that way. Apple used to make computers here. Apple moved all of its manufacturing overseas and then later outsourced it to Foxconn as it manipulated its supply chain. Its supply chain, by the way, is what Tim Cook was really known for before he became the CEO. Uh, Tim Cook was was Apple's COO, its chief operating officer, uh, prior to his uh, ascension to the CEO role. And supply chain logistics was his forte. Uh, and it's one of the things that made Apple as hugely profitable as it has been. So Apple's very good at managing its supply chain. As a result, Gene, I'm not really worried too much about what Apple plans to implement in terms of manufacturing here in the States. Whatever it does, it's going to make sense. It's going to make sense at whatever scale Apple chooses to roll it out at. And it's going to make sense overall in terms of Apple's bottom line. Uh, Apple's very good at managing these sort of risks and ameliorating any kind of risk that they can. I'm not worried about Apple's manufacturing prospects. But the, the question remains what Apple would make here in the States. My, my bet is for very specialized, low-volume products uh, where that, that, that Apple can actually amortize the cost for. I don't think that uh, Apple's uh, Mac Pro manufacturing has been doing it any great shakes uh, to the company's bottom line, which is why we've seen the company sort of not really step away from it, but uh, try to polish that turd maybe a little bit sort of more openly uh, than they have in the past. I, I So I'm very curious to see what Apple's going to do, but uh, unfortunately my crystal ball is cloudy and I have no actual idea what they are going to do. And remember here, when Apple does something like this, it's going to be with very, very careful consideration of what works best. So therefore, some of you who buy a TV set may end up with one that has the panel assembled in Wisconsin someday. But it's not necessarily going to be a plant with OLED displays. There are very few of those. There are very few of those. That's right. That's very specialized technology still. 
So even if Apple gets this alleged iPhone 8 out with OLED displays, it's going to come from maybe one or two places. That's about it. We'll have to see. Now, have you grown sick and tired yet about iPhone 8 speculation? No, have I grown sick and tired yet? You could have stopped there and I would have answered yes. But about iPhone 8 speculation specifically, oh gosh, yes. Yes, Gene, I am, I'm over it. So you're over the iPhone 8 disease? Well, I'm over the speculating about what the iPhone 8 is actually going to be. You know, we've heard so many WAGs from all quarters. And, you know, the, the typical bleating and repeating of rumors from the Mystic Orient by way of DigiTimes or the pronouncements of uh, various pundits who specialize in understanding uh, uh, Chinese uh, 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 manufacturing and supply lines, you know, so much of the rumors are hit and miss um, when you actually look at them in retrospect uh, from year to year to year. And things that seemed like a sure bet at the time turn out not to be. So I've really gotten out of the speculation game, Gene, to be honest with you. I just uh, am, am not really interested anymore until Apple has a hard announcement. What I can tell you is that as an iPhone customer, I haven't upgraded since the 6 because I haven't needed anything more. Apple hasn't given me a reason to jump on, either with the 6S or with the 7. And I say that as somebody who's an avid photographer with my 6 Plus. You know, and, and you would think that the, the stuff that's specific to the 7 Plus, the portrait mode, would be like a real grab for me. Not so much. Not so much. I mean, it's a neat, it's a neat gimmick, but uh, it's, it, it wasn't enough to draw, to draw me in. So I'm really kind of sitting on the fence here, wondering if Apple's actually going to have enough pizzazz this time around to jostle me out of my inertia on upgrading. And you know what? I know a lot of other people who feel the same way. I talk anecdotally to people all the time who have iPhone 5S, iPhone 6s, iPhone 6s, uh, that have no real incentive uh, to upgrade if they don't have to. So I don't know if the bloom is off the rose entirely. I don't think Samsung or anyone else is giving smartphone re users a lot of really spectacular reasons to upgrade outside of a lot of gimmicks and, and secondary stuff that I don't think reinvents the product category enough for most people just to throw out perfectly good hardware. Well, I think the age of the product might encourage people. Two or three years, people will start upgrading because they have the incentives if they're just coming off contract yeah. or something, you know, then they have to make a decision. Well, do you want to continue paying a monthly payment? Buy it outright. What are you going to do? That's true. You know, there's the economic, there's the dollars and cents of it, right? And, and in, in many cases, uh, there's no penalty for upgrading. You know, you, you can upgrade for free, essentially. Uh, trade in your old phone, get a new phone, and, and be off to the races. And if that's the case, then, then, then awesome. In other cases, I think that we mistake what Apple is trying to do and what the ecosystem supports with how people actually use their devices. And I think that we need to remember that a very large percentage of people who buy smartphones, whether they buy an Android smartphone, 
smartphone or an iPhone, uh, run into the same basic issue, which is they don't. They might install an app or two to get different things, but they by and large keep their devices pretty static. They don't make a lot of changes to it. They have the things that they like, the things that they use, and and they're content to use their devices that way. And that stuff doesn't change that frequently. A lot of iPhone customers are like that. I'm talking about the percentage of 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 users as a whole, not the sort of people who would listen to the show, uh, not the sort of people that you and I are, obviously, Gene, but just by and large, Ma and Pa Kettle sitting there in Muncie, Indiana, or wherever they are, when they go into the Apple store to get their device fixed because they broke the glass or maybe they locked themselves out with a passcode, they're not junking their their devices up with uh, with tons of apps. They've got the apps that they like and you know they're they're content to use them the the way that they want to. For those people, upgrading is not an issue because the device that I've got works just fine. Why should I upgrade? I think when we look at all these gee whiz wow features that Apple or other companies introduced, only a fraction of those features are used by most people. You know, they're dealing maybe, what, a few percent of users who are going to try, oh, the portrait mode is just so lovely. And on the iPhone 7, the home button no longer has a physical button. It's got haptic feedback, so it feels like a button, kind of, sort of. Most people don't care. Most people don't. You're absolutely right. You know, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous that... Uh, uh, we get as caught up in the pizzazz of new features as much as we do, but yeah, we're—I guess we're—we're we're, we're, uh, entitled to be attracted to shiny things when we see them. We're, we're primates, after all. So, will they be attracted to the shiny things? More to come. I'm Gene Steinberg with Peter Cohen on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Are you one of the 15 million men who suffer from an enlarged prostate? If your life revolves around finding the closest bathroom, if you're tired of waking up many times a night to urinate, then you need to know about Prostate Miracle. Prostate Miracle contains beta-cytosterone, which is 3,000 times stronger than salt palmetto. To claim your $10 Patriot discount, go to ProstateMiracle.com and enter promo code PATRIOT. Or call 877-965-2140. That's 877-965-2140. 
Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP hardened generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP hardened solar generator energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today. Love or loathe him, Donald J. Trump is our 45th president. There is no denying now that Trump will go down in history, both despised and admired. Commemorate Trump's presidency with your very own Trump Silver Bust from TrumpSilverStatue.com. This museum-quality heirloom Trump Silver Statue Bust is hand-cast from 20 troy ounces of silver, a great investment. From TrumpSilverStatue.com. Loathed or loved, own a valuable piece of Trump's legacy. Get your solid silver Trump Bust today at TrumpSilverStatue.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Everything you've been told about identity theft prevention is a flat-out lie. No one can prevent identity theft. No one. Go to LibertyID.com and use the promo code FREETRIAL for 60 days free. Cancel at any time. Liberty ID is the industry leader in identity theft restoration. Liberty ID fixes the fallout for you. Liberty ID does all the work, but you have to be prepared. Go to LibertyID.com, promo code FREETRIAL, LibertyID.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So tell me, you have an iPhone 6, it works perfectly fine. What does Apple have to do to get you to buy one other than to give you a free one as an incentive for something? <laughs> well, that wouldn't be incumbent upon Apple. That would be T-Mobile's problem, I guess. But um, when it comes to uh, the iPhone, you know, at some point or another, you got to get pushed out of the nest with an upgrade, right? I know that my six is long in the tooth. I can feel it. I can feel it when I launch apps. I know um, how long it takes to switch between apps. I uh, uh, know the kind of limitations that I'm running into um, uh, with what I'm doing. And I know that if I upgraded, I wouldn't see the same kind of slowdowns, the same kind of issues that, 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 that I've got with this. But it's still serviceable for everything that I need. 
this will probably be the year that I upgrade. But the question is whether or not I'm going to leap to an eight or maybe save myself some money and go for, you know, a seven because, you know, Apple will presumably uh, knock them down the product line at a peg. So I'm curious to see what comes to try to figure out how that's going to work for me. And I'm sure that many uh, of the folks listening and just of, of people in general are in the same boat that I am. And the issue also is that Apple has to have a really good pitch going on there. I do think, though, that people with smartphones two or three years old, and remember, the iPhone 6S will this September be two years old. So people with a three-year-old smartphone, assuming it even works okay, I still think they'll be ripe to upgrade. What is the normal cycle now? I've kind of lost touch of that. It used to be you have a two-year contract. At the end of the two-year contract, you get something new. And you pay the same except for the down payment. Now with all these special plans, well, AT&T Next and whatever the other companies call them, where you pay a fixed monthly fee, and you can upgrade every 12, 18, or 24 months. Is that making a difference or just confusing people? Or do people realize, hey, my bill just went down $40 this month. I own this phone. I can live with that for a while. Well, Is that I what the Uncarrier uh, has done for us? <laughs> yeah, T-Mobile and other companies have kind of re- tried to reinvent that matrix a couple of times, uh, you know, by losing subsidies, but making it a lot easier for uh, uh, customers to upgrade. As a T-Mobile customer, for example, I'm familiar with their system, uh, which lets you upgrade after uh, a few months. Uh, uh, it, 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 so you're, you're never more than six months or a year away from a product upgrade if you want one. Um that incurs an extra fee every month on top of whatever you're paying for your service, but uh, it, it can be worthwhile if you continually upgrade to new devices. It's kind of like leasing your car uh, versus buying a car outright. You know, if you want to buy your car outright, uh, you're going to get very different uh, financial arrangements than you are if you're going to lease. And the leasing works out great as long as you uh, give them the keys back and make sure the car is in good condition and, and under mileage uh, at the time that your lease is up. By the same token, you know, staying current with new devices through these upgrade programs can work out to your benefit long term. Um, but it does make you beholden to, you know, whichever uh, company you're doing business with. So if you want to jump carriers midstream, there may be a penalty that you might have to pay out or a a balance that you might have to pay out um, before you can break contract. Well, these carriers, don't they mostly have a plan now where if you're joining them new, they'll pay off your old contract? Yeah, either through, you know, rebates or incentives or, you know, whatever, yeah. So I decide I can't take AT&T, and their support's really gotten worse and worse. I'll go to Verizon or T-Mobile. The only thing about T-Mobile, though, is that the co-host of my other radio show, The Paracast, lives in the suburbs. Not the suburbs, in the woods. He's way out of the primary cell phone coverage areas. So if I switch carriers, I have to respect the fact that one of my phones is used by him. And so I have to make a decision can he get decent reception? If not, I'm not going to make the investment. Makes perfect sense, Gene. So anyway, let's just get back to this, which is the craziness of the speculation. And I've never seen it this eccentric. And remember, when you read these articles, and such allegedly respected publications as Forbes carry these articles, 
they all say, well, Apple's got this problem or that problem. They can't get it out on time and this, that, and the other thing. And remember, the existence of an iPhone 8 is a rumor. The name iPhone 8 is a rumor. Apple could call it the 10th anniversary iPhone called iPhone X. In fact, they'd be better off. So therefore, they just say to the people who have been spreading those rumors, take that. We're not going to call it iPhone 8. Maybe there'll be one next year as a standard annual refresh, whatever. No product has been announced. It's just speculation. It's supply chain stuff, possibly. But we don't know what Apple's going to do until they do it. That's exactly correct, Gene. Um, uh, yeah, as far as the name is concerned, uh, that's true, too. I, we, we have been referring it to iPhone 8, but whatever the next iPhone is, period. Sure. You know, we assume there'll be an iPhone 7S and 7S Plus. The 10th anniversary iPhone might be a very limited production model. You know, it's kind of like the iMac. The iMac is the mainstream desktop computer from Apple. There's going to be an iMac Pro this winter. And the sales figures will be in five, not six digits. Because it'll start at $5,000 and a specific number of people will buy it, not a lot. Others may just wait for the next Mac Pro because they want to be able to upgrade the thing, not just add RAM, but change drives and do all sorts of things that Apple promises in a modular computer. But that's going to be the special limited production model that most people will never need. And so possibly this iPhone 10 will be a more expensive limited production model to show new technologies that maybe next year will filter down to the mainstream models. Or will people wait and not buy their iPhones? That's the other argument. People are going to wait. We'll see. Uh, ultimately, we'll see. Um, you know, the, I, I've been. I was thinking uh, while you were uh, ruminating on whether or not the iPhone 8 might be a very limited production model about the death of Virtu, uh, the uh, uh, the luxury smartphone maker. Um, uh, which uh, was recently reported, you know, the company is, is no longer making its uh, signature devices, which were ridiculous bangles. They were, uh, you know, Android smartphones that uh, cost thousands of dollars uh, because of their, their, their casework. Um, you know, it, it wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it beyond Apple to make uh, an exclusive product. Uh, because it does seem to be, or it doesn't seem to be, it is uh, very much trying to focus itself as a, as a lifestyle brand. Um, you know, it's it's partnering with companies like Coach and, uh, uh, you know, for, for Apple Watch um, uh, bands and, 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 and other silliness. So, look, it's I, I get it. I, I get why Apple does that. I hope the iPhone 8 doesn't go in that direction where it's a luxury device that uh, only a very select premium customer base uh, can get. Because that seems uh, just unegalitarian and sort of against the spirit of what I think of as Apple. Well, Apple, I think, tried the uber-expensive model with the Apple Watch Edition for $10,000. And that didn't work. That didn't work. 
it discontinued it. That's absolutely right. So I think Apple has to be limited in what they do here. Obviously, an iMac Pro is not a decorative computer. It's something that serves a specific group of users who need powerful workstations, just like a Mac Pro will. As a matter of fact, do you think they might assemble the iMac Pro in the U.S.? I guess that would be one possibility for sure. Um, And the iMac Pro is going definitely to be a, a niche product that most people won't need. Any consumer considering it is going to take one look at the price tag and and have to do some soul searching about whether or not that's right uh, or acceptable. So, you know, I think the price tag alone is, is, is going to make the iMac Pro a very niche product. You know, that's exactly the sort of product that Apple could build in the States. But how much actual manufacturing gets done here? You know, I like a final assembly. Okay, great. Yeah, I can, I can see that happening, but I don't think each individual component is going to be made here. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. No, I would go along with that. We'll have to see what happens with Apple and manufacturing. More to come. I'm Gene Steinberg with Peter Cohen. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Let's focus on other things we might see. 
I've been running a few stories at TechNightOwl.com, Peter Cohen, where I've talked about the fact that the Apple TV, you know, for maybe a small number of users, has nice features with the Siri search and that stuff. For most people, it's not worth the extra money. So has Apple kind of lost the fight in terms of streamers? Well, you know, Apple, I don't think that Apple has lost has lost the fight against streamers. But, um, you know, the fact of the matter is that streaming technology has really kind of diversified. And you know, companies like Comcast aren't taking what Apple and Amazon and others are doing lying down either. Uh, you know, they're trying to keep their X1 platform, the platform that they offer uh, their customers, toe-to-toe competitive with things like uh, Apple TV by doing things like offering um, apps like Pandora and Netflix, for example. Whether or not they can sustain that or even grow it uh, is questionable because they haven't really done a lot with it since they've done those. So there aren't apps the same way that there are on the Apple TV. The Apple TV's killer app, if you will, the thing that makes it so special is how well it integrates with other Apple products. I think that the Apple TV on its own is an okay streaming box. It, it certainly gets the job done and it's it's well featured and so on, but it is premium priced in that particular product segment. Um, and that works against it to a certain degree because you know consumers look at their options and say, hey, look, I can spend a fraction of the price on this stick over here or this Roku box and get uh, pretty comparable features or maybe even more of what I'm looking for uh, than what the Apple box does. But if you take into account how well it integrates with the iPhone and the Mac and all the other Apple devices you use in your home and how it serves as a hub for HomeKit-compatible devices, that gestalt of Apple is what makes the Apple TV special. And if Apple continues to build on that foundation, the Apple TV will remain a relevant device for some time to come. So what we're talking about here is the fact that it's the integration with Apple services. If you want that kind of integration, it's fine. On the other hand, if you want to just rent movies, you don't have to go to iTunes. You can go to Vudu, which is from Walmart. You can go to Amazon Prime Video, because that's going to be added to Apple TV, but you can get it elsewhere. In fact, a lot of TV sets nowadays have direct access to some of these services without a streamer, without having, oh, I'm going to change the input now, and i got to do this. They just have it. It may not be the best interface in the world, but you want Netflix and see House of Cards or the forthcoming superhero show, The Defenders, where they got daredevil and jessica jones and luke cage and the new iron fist in one show that's going to come out august 18th if you want all that you don't need an apple tv or any streamer at all most recent tv sets have that already so the question here is do you need the extra apple stuff i think that's the big magic bullet do you want something a little easier to watch things but the problem is always if you're still going to watch stuff with your cable or satellite box or just off air with an antenna as soon as you have something else in there then you have to change the input so find a way to get your remote to remember or learn the apple tv remote or work with two remotes so that's probably the dilemma yes indeed that is a dilemma for sure 
But then we all have dilemmas, do we not? Now, seriously speaking, what do you think Apple should be doing there to get more traction out of Apple TV? You know, it's interesting to see Apple move into content. Planet of the Apps, you know, is its first uh, video production. And it's been not very well received in some quarters. Planet um, of the Apps. What a silly idea. Yeah, it is. But th- th- that aside, uh, critiquing uh, their... their and, and, you know, of course, they've, they've, they've also taken over the whole dashboard karaoke thing uh, with James Corden, which is very cute. Yeah, like you uh, see that, it that once, go- you might want to rent it one time and maybe it'll be cute and that's it. But here's the thing. Uh, when Netflix started to get into original content development, people scoffed. They doubted that Netflix had, you know, what it would take to go head-to-head with HBO and uh, uh, Universal and uh, NBC and all these other, you know, com- companies that had decades of experience uh, producing content. Uh, and then they hit it out of the park right out of the gate with House of Cards and sort of never looked back. Maybe Apple's ramp isn't the same, obviously. They, they didn't knock it out of the park with House of Cards yet. But the point is, don't discount them, uh, especially when you consider the talent that's behind um, uh, um, what Apple is doing in entertainment. You know, it, it is, it is, you know these are people that, that have made billions of dollars in the entertainment industry. So let's, let's not scoff it at, at Apple's attempts. I think that they're in this for the long game. And I think that producing content for Apple TV users is an important way of uh, getting people really interested in Apple TV. Because the the only way that you can really differentiate your streaming box from everybody else's uh, is the value add that you bring to it. And like I said, Apple's killer app right now is its integration with other Apple products. So if you're already invested in an iPhone or an iPad or a Macintosh, Apple TV helps supplement that experience in a very positive way. Um, it's it's icing on the apple cake, if you will. Uh, likewise, uh, um, uh, finding ways to produce original material, original content to consume on the Apple TV is a compelling idea. I'm not talking about video content necessarily. I'm talking about entertainment content in general. And Apple needs to think very broadly about this, uh, and 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 how that content is is being made available. There are apps that you can download for the Apple TV, for example, uh, games that you can play, and and uh, and other things that you can do. Apple needs to very carefully, I think, curate and 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 manipulate that experience um, to make sure that uh, people are getting the best value out of that. And I don't think it's necessarily apparent. Uh, to a lot of people who are just sort of uh, superficially grazing this space, that that's Apple's uh, that's that's what the Apple TV can do. Well, it's obviously a long-term plan. It's not going to happen overnight. They also teamed with The Rock, J- Dwayne Johnson, who this past year was the highest-paid actor in the world. Can you believe that? I can. His movies are enormously popular. Well, one thing about it, he's got a great dynamite personality. He seems like a genuinely nice guy, though you can never tell. But people like him. People like what he does. He does comedy. He does drama. And he doesn't hesitate to poke fun at himself, which is very good. He's not full of himself like a William Shatner, for example, is full of himself or something else. But So, yeah. But if you possibly get a lot of content that's exclusive... That will sell it. But this appears to be done under the aegis of Apple Music right now, right? So has Apple Music ultimately become Apple Entertainment? 
That's a really good question. I think, yes. Yeah, I think that the, the, the evolution is obvious. That makes sense. But you see, with Netflix, it's not just having a few shows that are exclusive. It is recent episodes of TV series. A lot of them are available on there. As soon as they go off for the summer, those episodes are up. They get still a decent amount of movies. Like, for example, I didn't see Doctor Strange, you know, about this Marvel comic hero who is a magician. I didn't see it until it went up on Netflix. We were looking for something to watch. And this movie was out last year. So normally you expect to maybe rent it, but there it was free on Netflix. That kind of thing is more than just having a handful of shows because a handful of shows you could binge watch in a few weeks. What do you do the rest of the month? Well, right. And Apple's obviously got Apple Music um, to, to, to help bridge that gap. And the interesting thing about uh, all of what we're talking about is that if you actually take a look at Apple's bottom line, Apple's quarterly uh, earnings reports from from financial quarter to financial quarter, a bigger chunk of uh, Apple's revenue has been coming from what Apple calls services. Uh, and we're talking about exactly this segment. We're talking about Apple Music and, and uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the additional services that Apple users pay for. Let's finish this up. Apple services and more on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Identity theft is going to ruin your life if you're not prepared. Hi, everyone. This is Paul with Liberty ID. Hey, millions of Americans fall victim every year. Odds are your identity has already been compromised and alerts aren't going to save you. The solution is restoration and the only company that provides a money-back guarantee is Liberty ID. Go to Liberty ID and use the promo code FREETRIAL for 60 days free. That's LibertyID.com promo code FREETRIAL for 60 days free. Cancel at any time. Liberty ID is the industry leader in identity theft restoration with a 100% success rate in restoring our subscribers' identities no matter how they're stolen. Liberty ID fixes the fallout for you. Liberty ID does the work, but you have to be prepared. Go to LibertyID.com, promo code free trial. LibertyID.com, LibertyID.com.
you want to save money in a place that gives you growth, control, and certainty without stock market risk or tax risk, and you want guarantees and you want it all tax-free, that's a tall order. But you can get all of that with properly designed participating whole life insurance. Most people think life insurance pays after you're dead. That's true. But you can have tax-free access to use your life insurance while you're alive. Get the free book to find out how. Call 702-660-7000. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Time to go for our family walk. Uh, just let me nap a little longer. You promised we'd get more active. I know, I know. How come you're so ready to it's go? Superberries Aronia Berries. Aronia what? Aronia Berries from Superberries.com. They're known for having one of the highest levels of antioxidants that helps with overall wellness. Where'd you get them? I ordered them from Superberries.com slash radio. And right now we can get a free smoothie recipe book with our order. Plus we can save $4 at checkout. I can't wait to try them. I'll get the dog. I'll get the kids. <laughs> Choose health. Eat purple. Superberries.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Peter Cohen over there somewhere in the wilds of Cape Cod. And we're talking about the fact that Apple has this rapidly growing division called services. Go on. Exactly right. Services, the revenue that they get from Apple Music, the revenue that they get from uh, from from the app store and so on. And this this segment of their revenue um, has been growing from quarter to quarter to quarter. It was interesting because years ago, you know, when they were asked about revenue from this, they were like, well, you know, we're not looking to make money in this space. We're just looking to basically to, to, to break even. Clearly, that, that message has changed. Clearly, they are making a lot of money from it. And, they, you know, when they're in there at WWDC and other events that are developer-centric, they emphasize how many billions have been paid out to developers. Well, developers are getting 30% of... Uh, that revenue. You know, the 70% is what Apple is keeping for itself. The developer gets 70%, uh, Apple uh, takes 30. You're absolutely right. So I, I am very sorry about that. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, I had it transposed in my head. That 30% is a huge chunk. So if Apple's paying out those billions, you can imagine what Apple's making comparatively. And that's a lot just to be hosting that stuff. Now, hosting, don't get me wrong, requires a, a cloud infrastructure that uh, makes it epic in scope and uh, you know something that, that has required an investment of a- 
capital of enormous amounts uh, to set up data centers to, to, to create the infrastructure in order to manage this growth, uh, this explosive growth and, and these consumer needs. But Apple's making money off that regardless. You know, that's uh, it's a big investment, but it's it's an even bigger reward for Apple. So there it is. You see, here's the thing with all that. Cloud services are major sources of growth in the industry. If you look at Microsoft's financials of the past quarter, you know, PC sales were up a little bit. So they sold a little few more Windows OEM licenses. Surface PC sales were flat. But the big growth pattern was in Office 365 licenses, in OneDrive licenses, more cloud services. Obviously, the demand has not been realized. Apple sees this. Apple has made it more compelling to get an iCloud drive because now you get two terabytes for $9.99. Two terabytes. Now, I'm wondering here, and because of your recent employment with a place that does backup services. When does Apple offer that kind of service for iCloud? That's a really good question. You know, Apple's pricing uh, for, for iCloud has always kind of made the rest of the industry kind of uh, shake its head because it's so wildly out of step with what other companies offer. But it, it goes to show you, you know, again, Apple's making money, uh, you know, in that spot. It's it's not doing it uh, as the old joke goes. Uh, you're losing money on every sale. Well, I'll make it up in volume. Uh, you know, Apple's not playing that game. Well, that's very interesting here, too, that Apple makes a profit on everything, even when you think they don't. Exactly right. They didn't become the biggest the, the biggest company in the world, you know, for nothing. Did Apple make a mistake not to have their own TV set? I don't think so. I think the TV uh, market is is congested and largely commodity based at this point. Uh, you know, having a big brand name in television is less important than it used to be. Uh, you know, sure, a lot of people have Samsung sets and some a lot of people have Sony sets too. Uh, but uh, you know, it's 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 flavor of the month when you go to Walmart or uh, Best Buy or Sears or wherever you're going to go uh, to 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 get a TV set. Uh, it, I, I don't think that it would have made sense for Apple to get into the premium TV market uh, unless it had a really clear way of differentiating that. And there were rumors that Apple had made some kind of major breakthrough prior to Steve Jobs' death, but nothing ever came of that, at least nothing that we saw to correlate with uh, Steve Jobs' uh, supposed eureka moment with his biographer, uh, Walter Isaacson. I think he said that just to spook the industry. You think he was doing it just to tweak people? I think he was known to do that. He knows he's going to be dead soon. And so everything he says will have that much more importance. And he said, well, we cracked the code. This is the greatest TV interface ever. Where is it? Shouldn't it be on Apple TV if it's so great? And the thing is also about TV here, I think most people don't care about the brand name of a TV set. It's all, as you say, a commodity. Most sets use the same parts. So you go into the store and you say, oh, this seems to have a brighter picture and it's $50 less and it still has 4K and it's 60 inch. So the 60 inch set is is $6.99 here and $7.99 and here. And I'll get the thing with the cheapest price. And as long as it looks about the same as the others, they don't think they're losing anything. How many people, if you ask, know the brand of the TV set they bought? 
Will they explain why they bought it? Usually it'd be because it was in sale or I needed a 60 inch set or I wanted to try 4K. And even then with 4K, most sets are 4K now. Most sets in the mid to higher price range offer HDR color. But even in the store, everything is turned up real bright. You can't see much of a difference. Yeah, I think that uh, my experience at places like Best Buy or their little Magnolia home uh, theater studio area might be a little bit different than yours, Gene. I do see qualitative differences from picture to picture. But the thing that I remind myself when I'm doing that is that I'm looking at sets side by side. And you can look at it at, at a picture and say, oh, that looks like crap compared to this one. But when you actually get it in your house, it's going to look damn good. Even if you don't think so, in, in, in it's it's that's how they get that's how they upsell you, that's how they upsell you. You know they calibrate the better sets, or uh, uh, you know they they they, they dim uh, the, the 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 cheaper sets to try to get you to buy uh, the the more expensive stuff. Now remember, um, we're talking about a specialty section, a Best Buy, not the general part of the store where you have. You know, 200 TV sets side by side. If you go to an area where you're comparing one or two, I can see where that will provide a more compelling experience and make it easier to make a decision. I'm not singling out Best Buy. I'm I'm just talking about the retail electronics uh, sales experience in general, whether you go uh, there or somewhere else, you're you're going to run into the same sort of techniques uh, to try to convince you to spend more money than you really need to. You know, as far as 4K is concerned, the ludicrous thing about 4K is that there's such limited content in 4K available. You're buying a set uh, that does stuff that you really don't need right now and won't need for a while. And even if you do, most of us don't have the sort of rooms or screen sizes where 4K is going to make a legitimate qualitative difference in our viewing experience. In other words, you need a set with maybe 55, 60 inches or higher and support for HDR color, which may make the pictures look a bit better. And I agree with you, it's still content that is an issue. Peter Cohen, tell our listeners where they can find more of your content. They can find me on Twitter at Flarg, F-L-A-R-G-H, or on my own site at Peter-Cohen, C-O-H-E-N.com. Peter Cohen, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It is always a pleasure, Gene. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. 
If there's a toxic chemical biological gas smoke emergency while traveling at home or on your job, are you protected? Are you prepared? There are over 400,000 fires in the USA every year. Up to 85% of all deaths in a fire are due to smoke inhalation. Three minutes without air and we as humans will die. Be prepared and escape safely with our Safe Escape Smoke Hoods, giving you up to 60 minutes of breathable air protection. Order yours online at ase-safety.com. That's ase-safety.com. And get up to 40% off plus free shipping. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. 99 bucks for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look. And I'm telling everyone how much healthy I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. If you're 85 or younger, would you like peace of mind and comfort for your family? We're Final Expense Direct with an urgent message for you. The average funeral today costs over $8,000, but the most you'll get from government benefits is $255. How will your family pay the difference? We can help. Our senior plans start as low as just a dollar a day and pay up to $30,000 for a funeral and other final expenses. Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage, and your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-557-0158. That's 800-557-0158. Again, 800-557-0158. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Dr. Timothy Summers with us. He's the ethical hacker, 
and lots of security issues are coming up we want to talk about. And I think we should start, Tim, with this ransomware attack that's been getting worldwide publicity. What's the background? Well, the background there is that um, beginning on uh, last Friday, which uh, the, was the 12th, uh, if, I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, Gene, uh, essentially there was a massive uh, amount of ransomware cyber attacks that uh, proliferated throughout the world. By the time we got to Monday morning of this week, we were looking at essentially over 150 different countries impacted by this this ransomware. And the ransomware was incredibly prolific in the way that it uh, it hit these uh, computers. Effectively, uh, many organizations were impacted, uh, starting with uh, the national, the UK uh, National Health Service. Uh, it was so bad that the hospitals, and there were hospitals in the UK that had to turn patients away. Uh, in addition, Federal Express, FedEx, was impacted, as was the largest telecom uh, company in Spain, Telefonica. So it was incredibly uh, huge undertaking. Now, with Federal Express, does this mean that for a time they couldn't process or deliver packages? Uh, well, what it means is that they were having a hard time accessing some of the logistics and operations systems that they use to ensure that we can uh, receive our packages on time and that they can reach, you know, reach their drivers. And, and so there, there was some impact there. Uh, but of course, uh, FedEx has actually uh, been quite good about um, how much it's, it's communicated about how impacted it was. But the worst of all that we've heard so far has really been the healthcare community, uh, with some hospitals having to even turn ambulances away. Oh, boy. That's pretty nasty. Now, ransomware, as we understand, is where you can't unlock your software unless you pay the piper. That's correct. That's correct. It, with a typical, a traditional ransomware attack, what happens is there's this malicious software that essentially takes control of all of your data, and it makes it such that you can no longer access your own data. And it then demands that in order for you to regain control, you must pay a certain amount of money, typically in Bitcoin, which means that the person then has to go and uh, they have to find out how much money the, the attacker wants, which usually comes up in a message on your screen. The attacker or the ransomware usually will uh, provide some instructions on how you can convert that money into Bitcoin and then transfer the funds to the attackers. And uh, that's the only way you can get your data back. I understand with Bitcoin here, we're talking about an alternate all-digital currency. And it's a little tricky to transfer it because part of it is the value of Bitcoin is kind of like the stock market. It varies quite a bit, doesn't it? That's correct. It, it is a supply and demand style of market, the same way that the S&P 500 is or the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. You're absolutely correct. All right. So even if you do this, you may actually have to put in more money than is being asked for in case the value changes by the time you send it. The other thing here is the reason they use Bitcoin is you can't trace it. That's correct. Bitcoin is a, as we would say, truly anonymous. Um, of course, uh, that is, you know, uh, there, there's some debate about that and about how anonymous it really is. Yeah, I can see where this gets to be pretty squirrely. So have they actually determined who was responsible for this? 
Not definitively. There has been some conjecture. And the latest conjecture on the street is that uh, there's some similarities in the code uh, in this cyber attack, uh, which has been called WannaCry, um, and the Sony cyber attack that you will recall happened uh, a while back. And, and the Sony cyber attack was attributed to North Korea uh, by some of the cybersecurity researchers that worked on it at that time. I believe that was uh, FireEye was the company. The FireEye or Mandiant, they were the, the company that um, uh, said it was probably North Korea. Well, much of that same code was found in this uh, cyber attack. In fact, uh, large amounts of code were essentially copy and paste from that attack. So there's been some conjecture that North Korea is behind it. Just conjecture. Is it possible somebody else copy-pasted and had access to it and did it? Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the same way that the cybersecurity researchers are analyzing this code uh, now, I mean, anyone with that knowledge could have analyzed the code and copied it and and reutilized it. Of course, it would take uh, some substantial expertise in order to know how to copy the right code. Um, And and the the presumption here, um, the folks that are making the conjecture that it's North Korea, uh, the presumption there is that, hey, the people who wrote this code would know best which parts of the code are the right parts to copy and paste. Now, I understand this affected Windows users at this point. Yes, yes, that's correct. Uh, Specifically Windows XP users. Why is anybody out there using Windows XP? Windows XP (laughs) is the fall of 2001. Yes, yes, this is correct. Well, Gene, you know, there's a lot of uh, organizations in in different countries that are still using uh, Windows XP. In fact, there are many American companies that might have a branch in countries uh, such as uh, uh, India and, and other countries in Asia and Europe that uh, are still running Windows XP primarily from the perspective that maybe those Windows XP systems are managing some uh, critical uh, uh, critical assets that can't be taken offline. Um, and then, of course, there's sometimes there's concern. At the end of the day, it boils down to being concerns of integration. Um, and, and that really is, uh, is one of the biggest challenges that some of these organizations that were still running Windows XP are faced with. So how do these people get security patches? Uh, well, you know, Microsoft has stopped supporting Windows XP, so... Um <laughs> so many of these, uh, many of these uh, folks who are using Windows XP are not receiving security patches. Um, uh, they, they have received, well, if they've updated, uh, Microsoft did put out a patch uh, to address this latest cyber attack. But, um, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, they, they weren't getting patches because it's, it's been sunsetted from, uh, as far as Microsoft's concerned. Well, there you go. You have to think about any company that would put mission-critical services on an operating system that's, what, 16 years old, Mm -hmm. has been long ago, long ago, abandoned by its publisher, not being supported. It's kind of like running software, if you can, on Mac OS 10.0 with far fewer security problems. It's ridiculous. Exactly. It, it is. It is. But, but we do have to keep in mind that, you know, like as, as I said earlier, there are many organizations that have these have a concern of integration. Um, and how do we manage integration? How do we handle integration, um, especially with systems that are that are legacy systems? Uh, 
most organizations that are of a very large size typically have some of those legacy systems still lying around somewhere. And uh, healthcare organizations are incredibly vulnerable to this. Um, there was a recent survey that was done of over 5,000 directors of, from companies around the world, and only 24% said that they, were, uh, they had the appropriate cybersecurity processes in place to handle an attack like this. Now, in the healthcare sector, uh, 79% said that they are not prepared to handle a cyber, a cyber attack like the one we saw this weekend. Oh, boy. Okay. So at this point, before we even go on to that and other security issues, I suppose we can wonder here, is this the wake-up call? Are we now telling these people whatever resources are necessary, you have to get out there? And you have to find ways to shore up your security because this situation will only get worse. It's not going to magically disappear because maybe Microsoft can be induced to release just one more patch. Time has really passed it by. Anyway, there you go. We've got a lot more to cover. We have Dr. Timothy Summers. He's an ethical hacker. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. At Humalife, we believe your health is your wealth. That's why we offer an exclusive, potent, and pure selection of OMRI-certified 100% organic humic and fulvic acid concentrates. These two acids stop viruses and harmful bacteria and increase frequency, vibration, and vitality. In fact, they're called the missing link to your health. Pure liquid organic ATP energy rebuilds and regrows the immune system. You are the doctor at Humalife. You know best because you are the test. Find out more at HumalifeUSA.com. That's HumalifeUSA.com. 
fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Dr. Timothy Summers, ethical hacker, talking about the ransomware attack that's affected all those tens of millions of people still using Windows XP in terms of vulnerability and impacted mission critical services. So is this the wake up call, Tim? Do these people now realize they can't go on like this? They're going to have to expend the resources to get their computer systems fixed. You have to think of the standpoint also of patients and other people. Well, I do think that this is a wake-up call. The question is, is a great one because I actually think that it's, it should be a wake-up call to the government. And, and that's because this cyber attack was built on top of uh, technology, a cyber weapon technology built by the government. So this should be a huge wake-up call to the government that, hey, we've got to be incredibly mindful of the cyber weapons that we build, A, and B, we've got to be incredibly mindful of how we protect those cyber weapons uh, if we're going to be building them. And, and, and that's uh, where I think that there's been substantial concern about uh, with regard to a call to action. I do also think that the healthcare community, there should be a huge call to action for the healthcare community that, hey, we are incredibly vulnerable. Um, and to the community at large, it should be that we should expect more of the more waves of these cyber attacks to come. Did any of this use any tools from that CIA hack sometime back? It 
took advantage of tools mostly from this took advantage of tools from the shadow brokers hack uh, basically that was where uh, a group calling themselves the shadow brokers stole a series of cyber weapons about eight cyber weapons from the national security agency and uh, and they then they they stole them and then they they sold them on the on the black market so this was one of those uh, weapons Okay, well, it looks like it will only get worse. So is this the tip of the iceberg? Are there going to be more problems arising as a result of this? Or does one hope that this unexpected patch from Microsoft, if people apply it, will close this particular episode down? Both, Gene. Actually, as researchers were studying the WannaCry ransomware uh, found signatures for another piece of ransomware uh, that has a name that's too complicated for me to <laughs> to say. <laughs> and uh, and but but the second piece of ransomware that they found essentially plants itself onto your computer and uses it as a Bitcoin miner. So basically, this ransomware produces bitcoins and then puts the bitcoins that it produces into the bank accounts uh, or rather the bitcoin wallet accounts of the cyber uh, the cyber attackers so it's basically utilizing your your computer as a zombie to produce money for for them uh, for the bad guys so that was another piece of ransomware that they found that utilized the same cyber weapon that the WannaCry ransomware utilized so yes, there has been some uh, some additional ransomware found using this same attack model from this weekend. But we are expecting that there will be additional waves of cyber attacks that will utilize some of the other cyber weapons that were stolen as well. All right, so let's look at this. If you get bit by this bug, what's it cost you in dollars? Well, if you get bit by this bug, uh, the the ransomware requests three hundred dollars uh, from you, and I've heard reports out there that the you know that that people have only paid somewhere in the ballpark, like collectively, somewhere in the ballpark of uh, $30,000. Um, so so the, the, the overarching word on the street is that the cyber attackers really haven't made a lot of money, although the, um, you know, being 300 bucks a pop, uh, although the ransomware has been proliferated around the world. So the cost is, one, you'll lose your data. Uh, that's 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 the biggest cost. Uh, so because of course you if you don't pay the ransom you're not going to get your data back, and uh, and of course the second cost is uh, if you decide to pay the ransom. So so it's either or. All right. Now, if most people haven't paid for it, what do they do? Just wipe out everything and restore from a backup? That's that's it. That's what you have to do. If you decide not to pay the ransom, then uh, you're going to end up losing all your data and just and I mean, hopefully by now, most uh, most citizens have their data in a backup location um, that, you know, that they can call on. But, you know, all those photos that you have, all those selfies that you've taken with your friends and family that are stored on that in your your my pictures folder on your computer. Yep, that's gone. Unless you do backups on the Mac. Of course, you have time machine. You have backup facilities on Windows. And this says you got to do that. Now, with the Mac, Time Machine runs every hour. That's putting everything in a separate drive. So if your Mac were to be compromised, you could wipe it clean and not lose more than an hour of your work. If the data has been stored in the cloud. If it's on your computer, then it's a done deal. Even if it's on another drive? 
if it's on if it's on another drive connected to your computer yeah because it's not affecting the operating system you could wipe out your mac for example have your data if it's, it, if which it's doesn't include any system software Pardon? If it's on a drive that's mounted in your computer, uh, the chances are that you're going to lose that data. If so, it's stored in the cloud somewhere, like in, in the iCloud, that's a different story because the, the ransomware doesn't uh, take your data from iCloud. It basically locks down all of the data that is on your local computer. Okay, so it has to be a cloud-based backup of some sort, like a... You, you would need a cloud-based backup. That's, that's really the only way you're going to protect yourself from ransomware is to have a cloud-based backup. Um, I, you know, some ransomware probably wouldn't touch it, like an external drive, but most ransomware that I've seen will still take that as well. Um, so if it's at your local computer, like sitting in your office, connected to that box on your desk, you, there's a pretty good chance that it's gone. Okay, so if you're using like a crash plan or a carbonite, which has that interactive, would, that's doing periodic backups all day long. Periodic backups to the cloud. Right, to the cloud all day long. And I assume it prioritizes the current data. Therefore, the stuff that you're doing now, you'll be able to recover. And if you've been running yeah. it for a while, you'll get pretty much everything back. Right, right, right. So that, that, and that's why I want to make the distinction between. Um, the cloud-based backup as opposed to the local backup. Just a parenthetical question here. Has there ever been ransomware on the Android platform? Uh, as far as I can tell, there's been ransomware on pretty much most popular platforms. But usually it's the same thing here, that they have to gain control of the system. They have to find some kind of exploit in the operating system to grab a hold of. It's not just running the bogus app. It is doing something that's going to allow them to take control of your system, your privileges, and everything else. Well, that's what made this different, is that this didn't require you to have to click on a link. Um, that, that's, that's, and that's why uh, I made the distinction of pointing out that this was uh, a ransomware software that was built on top of a cyber weapon created by the government. This didn't have to, it didn't have to be sent in the form of an email with a malicious link. Uh, essentially, this could basically scan computers on the net and find the ones that had this specific Microsoft uh, exploit or Microsoft vulnerability and then exploit that vulnerability. Uh, so it didn't require you to have to click on it. It didn't require you to have to go to a specific website. Yeah, it was, it was, it basically was a search and destroy kind of deal. Now, that's an interesting point, too. Wouldn't most computers and businesses be on a router that has a firewall of some kind? Well, once again, this is, um, this is a situation where um, a, cyber, a very complicated cyber weapon was created that could exploit uh, your computer without having to go through the standard the standard channels of getting into your computer. Um, and that's really where you have to really realize that this is quite unprecedented. And that's why the, the, uh, the growth rate of computers impacted by this, this uh, software, was, this ransomware, was so prolific. Um, we're talking that within a matter of hours, right, you know, 150 countries were hit. So that, that in and of itself 
is prolific. Uh, and, and we're talking more than 200,000 organizations in, over, in, in about 150 countries. Um, that's huge. And, it, and, and you can guess that most of those systems, um, a good amount of them probably, were connected to uh, firewalls or antivirus software. Or, but see, the thing about this was it was built on an exploit called Eternal Blue. And Eternal Blue was the, the, the cyber weapon that I've been referring to. And it, it didn't require the ransomware to have to go through the standard channels of getting into your system. We've got more to come with Dr. Timothy Summers. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Welcome back to Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. We have Dr. Timothy Summers, ethical hacker. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live, and we are exploring this recent ransomware attack. It's like sending a bomb over the internet, isn't Ooh, that's it? That's a good way of saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's actually a great way of saying that, Gene. Well, yeah, that makes things kind of difficult because you don't know if you're going to be susceptible. But certainly anybody who's running a real old operating system isn't keeping track of current security updates. You know, this is what can happen. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And especially if the manufacturer of that software is no longer uh, supporting it. Well, it's not that Microsoft hasn't told people. Uh, this is true. I mean, Microsoft has told people, um, you know, but and really there's an interesting dialogue between Microsoft and um, the NSA. I mean, Microsoft essentially blamed the U.S. government for, for this hack, uh, which was quite interesting because even though Microsoft uh, had, you know, of course, has told people that they're no longer supporting Windows XP, uh, it really does raise the question, you know, can a manufacturer of software just up and decide that they no longer want to support it, especially if there's still a, a good amount of people in the world that are still using it? And, uh, and, and that's actually, that's a question that we really haven't answered. Now, there's an article, by the way, over at Yahoo Finance, where a top FBI agent explains why hackers are a little ahead. Did you see it? I haven't seen it, but it actually echoes uh, what I've been sharing in the media, you know, for the past couple of years. Um, in order for organizations to really survive in, in this new dynamic and ever-evolving threat landscape, they have to have the hacker's edge. Exactly, but it's this cat-and-mouse game. You. It is a bit of a cat-and-mouse game. So basically, they're always going to leap over you when you do something. Well, if, if, if you're thinking about it from the perspective of, um, you know, how do we... I think if you think about it as a cat and mouse game, it will be a cat and mouse game. But instead, the way that organizations should be looking at it is um, instead of thinking, oh, well, we don't think that this will happen, they should be expecting the cyber crisis to happen. And that's one of the places where organizations really are faltering is whenever you talk to many companies and organizations about being uh, hacked, they typically will say, well, you know, we don't really think anyone's interested in us. We don't think there's a reason for anyone to hack us. They'll give you a ton of reasons as to why they probably won't be hacked. Um, but at the end of the day, that thinking alone is what gets you hacked in the first place. It's a very fragile um, mental model for running an organization. Well, if you have the right system, as long as you're breathing, <laughs> you're vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And, and, and what the philosophy that I firmly believe that many companies should take on is really the perspective that Taleb presents in his book, uh, Anti-Fragile, and that is that we should expect these events to happen and, and that in, in our expectation of these events happening, we're scrambling a lot less than we would if they're just surprised. Um, if, if every time a, a cyber crisis happens, we're substantially surprised and we don't have a way to respond, it has a substantially larger impact on us than if we did expect it and we were ready. Well, the warnings have been out there. And now we're in this kind of climate now where I wonder, number one, whether the U.S. government will spend the resources at the time they're talking about budget cuts to deal with such things. Well, Gene, I don't actually think that the government is uh, really where the solutions to the cyber crisis um, uh, exist. I, I actually don't think that the government is equipped 
for the long haul to really address the kinds of cyber crisis that we're seeing. I, I really am seeing more development and innovation and entrepreneurship and really sort of the, the, the conversations about how we address this happening more effectively in the private sector as opposed to the government. Um, the government is, you know, is really focused on some of the traditional uh, issues such as healthcare, which is very important. Um, cyber is, has really kind of taken a bit of a backseat with regard to the government. Mostly because uh, the government really doesn't have the – the government has a lot of expertise, but the kind of very proactive, very forward-thinking expertise that we need in cyber, because in order for us to stay ahead of the, the, the criminals, we have to be forward-thinking and innovative constantly. The government's not really built for that level um, from an organizational perspective, is not built for that kind of thinking. And that's one of the challenges that the government is, is incredibly faced with. And it's also a big part of the reason why many of the really talented cybersecurity researchers that work for the government end up leaving the government. That and the fact they can get a lot more money in the private sector. Exactly. Exactly. A lot more money and a lot more innovative freedom. Okay, there you go. Ransomware. Maybe it's under control now with that patch, if everyone runs it. At least the information will be sufficient. But I'm just thinking six months from now, there'll be another one. Uh, I, I'm right there with you, Gene. I, I actually think less than six months from now. Anyway, it's going to make Bitcoin popular. What is happening, by the way? Do you follow Bitcoin at all? Um, I follow it loosely, mostly from the perspective of uh, the financial sector. The financial sector has been incredibly interested in Bitcoin. Um, but, but really, Bitcoin as a concept itself has really lost a bit of its steam. Um, and, and the financial companies are actually uh, trying to take parts of Bitcoin that they think are most applicable to their businesses. And I think that that's really the direction that everyone's going in. Um, so Bitcoin in and of itself, I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure if it's it, it's not going to be a standard the way that we hoped. Um, but you know, but it does have a very dedicated following right now. Well, that's the thing that bothered me for a time here. They had problems with security on some of these Bitcoin payment processors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's a lot of uh, we are seeing some growth in Bitcoin payment processors, and you know I, I think that we are um, we are seeing a lot of um, uh, organizations uh, being willing to accept Bitcoin, um, and I think that that in and of itself shows that the creators of Bitcoin were successful in in making it a legitimate you know a legitimate currency, um, but with regard to widespread business use. Uh, I think I think Bitcoin is really going to be doomed to um, to being a currency for the underground more than you know uh, rather than ever becoming a legitimate currency for the everyday common man. And I think the financial companies are going to are going to strip the parts of the Bitcoin protocol that they're and, and Bitcoin technology that they're interested in and make that a part of the economic system for the everyday man. But it will still be connected to the banks. Um, which, as you recall, is completely that, that's completely opposite of what Bitcoin was created for. It was created to be a currency that doesn't have to rely on banks. Well, I think the thing that would make me more interested in Bitcoin is whether it becomes a stable currency. Once it's unstable, 
it makes it real difficult to depend on the value of your money, which is really screwy. That's part of it. So it's something that you maybe do with a little bit of cash. You have to make yes. it easy for people to use. It has to be seamless. It has to be almost yes. like with your PayPal account. You specify dollars or Bitcoin and let all this stuff happen behind the scenes. If you want your money to be stored in your bank, you can specify dollars or Bitcoin, whatever. It has to be seamless. Just for example, with PayPal, if someone sends us a payment for, say, the Tech Night Out Plus or a donation to the site or something, they could use whatever currency they have and PayPal will transfer it under the current rate, exchange rate, to U.S. dollars. Now, I don't know whether it's the most efficient or the best way of doing it, but at least this is happening behind the scenes. People don't have to think about it. And I think the big thing with Bitcoin is right now it's something where the power user will enjoy using it or want to use it because they could have a lot of fun with it. But as soon as the regular people want to use it, it's a mess. It's too complicated. More to come with Gene Steinberg and Tim Summers on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Calben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. 
Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2979-855-700-2979-855-700-2979. That's 855-700-2979. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Continuing on the Tech Night Out Live with Dr. Timothy Summers. Tim, you see where I'm going so far? Yes. It's got to be Bitcoin for dummies and not that people are dummies. Exactly. It's got to be something that works behind the scenes. What is being done for that? Have you heard of much? You know, I don't think that there's been enough of a focus on making Bitcoin user-friendly. I do believe that, you know, Bitcoin developers feel that it's user-friendly enough, but that's always, um, you know, that's always kind of the, the argument between the technologists and the non-technologists, right? But from my personal, uh, in my personal opinion, uh, I don't think that Bitcoin is really to a point where uh, the everyday common person really is even remotely interested in using it or has the technological prowess to really understand it enough to want to use it. And I think that that's going to be one of the challenges of the technology. Do you see any direction in that or is it right now still just trying to get it together digitally? It's still trying to get it together digitally, right? I mean, we're still trying to get a sense of, you know, is it going to continue to be uh, volatile? Uh, What does that volatility look like? You know, of course, we don't really have the 
kind of historical data that we need to really understand what the volatility of Bitcoin will look like. Many people who even are remotely interested in it um, are concerned with the lack of understanding of it that's in the market. So I think that Bitcoin has a lot of challenges, and that's precisely why the financial companies have been stripping the parts that they think apply to them the most. Because the only way that a financial company can survive is through consumers being able to use what they're offering. Bitcoin really wasn't built that way, really wasn't built for a non-technologist to to be able to understand how to use it because it just didn't rely on the same kind of business model, right? And I think that that's part of the challenge. And so long-term, we are going to continue to see the financial institutions, the big banks, uh, using elements of Bitcoin, and it will probably be obfuscated from, you know, the the common user where they really don't see the Bitcoin. They just know that there is encryption built into their transactions. Well, I think that's the point. And if it's not Bitcoin, would there be another company or another person who consider doing something? Exactly. Do you know of any, or is, is there a rival to Bitcoin? Well, there are plenty, plenty of um, companies out there trying to do the Bitcoin-esque kind of thing. But as I said, the, the biggest initiatives thus far have been from the financial companies. You may recall that a few years ago, Sir Richard Branson, the, uh, you know, the, the, the founder of Virgin, basically hosted a consortium of financial professionals at his uh, vacation home out on Necker Island. And the entire conversation was about Bitcoin and about how can we use this technology? How can all of our industries benefit from this technology? Um, so the question about whether or not there are some alternatives to Bitcoin is, uh, you know, it's vast. I mean, there, there, there are tons of companies out there working on their own variants of Bitcoin. So it may not necessarily be the digital currency. It may be the forerunner. There may be something that will develop out of it to become yeah. this currency. Yes, yes, that's, that's absolutely correct. We can definitely expect to see the banks and whatnot leveraging Bitcoin for mobile banking, for insuring, you know, for the, for, the, for the transaction dispute process, right? Because Bitcoin is essentially just a, an incredibly long ledger of transactions that have happened between two parties and ensuring that the transaction definitely happened between two specific parties. So they're looking at it from the perspective of how can we leverage this technology to help with consumer, uh, with, with transaction disputes, to help with auditing, to help with ensuring that identity theft is, is limited, to help with ensuring that uh, credit card fraud is limited. Um, so there's a, there's a whole host of, um, of, of different ways that the financial companies are seeing the benefits of, of Bitcoin and, uh, and variants of, and creating their own variants of Bitcoin. What that means also is that there's not going to be a uniform version of it yet. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, a technology like Bitcoin really, you know, due to its open nature and it's really sort of its technological uh, origins, um, you know, we should expect that there are various versions of it. We, I mean, that's really what open source is all about. You know, it's about making it open enough that, uh, that people who uh, are interested can create and develop and extend and explore. Um, so I, I expect that there will be lots of different variants of, of Bitcoin and of the Bitcoin technology. 
Right. But wouldn't you want some level of compatibility? Isn't that the downside of open source? If you want things to work together, there has to be some connection at one point. Well, that's where consortiums come in, right? And and that's why these financial companies are all working together, because uh, and, and and that's precisely why Branson hosted a you know consortium of, of of experts to come together to talk about how they might be able to use Bitcoin, because their idea is you know we're, we don't want to build something in a vacuum. We want to figure out how we can build an international uh, something that would work for all of us, even if we're all working on our own components and making sure that it works incredibly easy. Easy, uh, easily with our own systems, but how do we make sure that it plays well with others? And 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 that's really um, one of the things that I think the financial companies have over, you know, a, a centralized system can have over a decentralized system, right? Is that these various banks can come together and try to figure out a way that they can ensure that their customers can make transactions with customers of other financial institutions. Right. Well, maybe they can use an internal technology, but at the border between this and the next some sort of transaction, there has to be some centralized translation system. And maybe that's the answer to have some way to translate the digits from one form to another so people don't have to think about it. And that's what gets to the whole point here. It has to be something that regular people don't have to think about. And if that exactly. happens, maybe we'll see Bitcoin. Is it secure, though? It's it's much more secure than what we currently have. Uh, so well, that isn't saying much. Is, uh, say that again. That isn't saying much. Well, I don't know. I think it says actually. I think it says a lot uh, because we've been using the current system for a very long time. <laughs> so so it's it's saying a lot from that perspective. Um, now, is it? completely secure? Well, there's no such thing. Um, but it does, uh, I mean, we've never seen a currency system that provides anonymity. Um, I mean, in fact, the fact that we even have a currency system with this concept of anonymity is quite counter to our previous thinking on, on making transactions between two parties. I mean, if you go back historically, the whole point of, uh, if you go back to ancient Mesopotamia, where some of the first banking systems were created, um, there was always a concept of, okay, John Smith is going to borrow X amount from, uh, from Sam Jones, right? I mean, there's always that transaction and knowing who the two parties are um, so that you can know how to get back to those two parties if there's a breakdown in communication between them. We've got more to come with Tim Summers and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. You want to save money in a place that gives you growth, control, and certainty without stock market risk or tax risk, and you want guarantees and you want it all tax-free. That's a tall order. But you can get all of that with properly designed participating whole life insurance. Most people think life insurance pays after you're dead. That's true. But you can have tax-free access to use your life insurance while you're alive. Get the free book to find out how. Call 702-660-7000. 
It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. If you're a sleep apnea sufferer who's on the go, go to your phone. Because if you give us a call right now, you'll be able to try the world's first portable mini CPAP device absolutely risk-free for 10 restful nights. It's the Transcend Mini CPAP, an engineering marvel that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. Its unique design is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. No more dragging around a big, bulky CPAP. Even better, now you can try Transcend absolutely risk-free for 10 restful nights by calling minicpap.com, 1-800-441-9833. Transcend is FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. You can also add a battery pack that's as tiny as a deck of cards. So now you can enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere. But don't wait. To receive your 10-night in-home trial, call minicpap.com now. 1-800-441-9833. That's 1-800-441-9833. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with reputationdefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with reputationdefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Tá. 
Dr. Timothy Summers is joining us. We're talking about Bitcoin, about currency systems. And this is just very interesting where that goes. And you were talking about in old days when you did some kind of financial transaction, you and the person with whom you dealt. You knew who they were. You knew who they were. <laughs> so there was a direct so, connection. Yeah. Even with a bank, that abstracts it slightly because the bank's money comes from different sources. But it's the bank and you or your company, etc. You know whom you're dealing with. With Bitcoin, it's anonymous. That's correct. That's correct. And, 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 and that's really what we, we really need to be thinking about is that Bitcoin offers the kind of anonymity that you were not previously able to get from a uh, financial transaction system. Right. But if you have anonymity, does that hurt the matter of recourse? What do you do here, for example, if you'd give out a loan in Bitcoins, okay, so we give you $50,000 worth of Bitcoins, whatever number of Bitcoins that is now, and you're going to pay back $1,000 in Bitcoin every month. And if you don't pay, where's the recourse? If it's well, anonymous, who do you go after? The ledger that is in Bitcoin um, actually ensures that there's non-repudiation, right? So you know you know which identities were associated with the transaction, right? And and so so there there is a way, you know, and, and you have to remember that Bitcoin includes a multi-signature feature that allows a transaction to require multiple independent approvals in order for it to be spent. So for example, this can be used by an organization to give its members access to its treasury while only allowing a withdrawal of, you know, maybe three of the five members to sign the transaction. So there are ways to do multiple signatures. There are a lot of security features built into Bitcoin that are not currently built into our current currency system. And, and that's just one of many. Uh, there, there's a lot of different aspects of, of how you can ensure that there are... Um, you know, you know, and, and the other thing that you have to keep in mind is that Bitcoin is not anonymous in the sense of, of the way that we would think, right? I mean, all Bitcoin transactions are stored publicly and permanently on the network, which basically means that any person can see the balance or in the transactions of any Bitcoin address. So my Bitcoin address, you could go on and if we're on the same network, you can go on and see all of the transactions and balances that I have for my address. However, the identity of the user behind an address remains unknown until the information is re revealed during a purchase or in some other circumstances. So if you make a transaction with someone, that's known. But otherwise, even though it's recording on the ledger this transaction, we don't know it's Tim Summers or Gene Steinberg or exactly. Chris O'Brien or anybody else. Exactly. Gene and Tim know that they're doing trans transactions with each other, but other people outside of Gene and Tim do not know that they're the ones doing those transactions. So is there any way to break through that security wall? Um, well, I mean, there's got to be, right? I mean, we, and there's been ramblings of some governments being able to figure it out. And But I want to come back to what, what I said earlier. There's no such thing as a completely secure platform, right? And, and another thing that I think we definitely would be remiss not to mention um, in these, you know, in, in this conversation is that, you know, Bitcoin payments are irreversible, right? So, so any transaction issued with Bitcoin cannot be reversed. They, they can only be refunded by the person receiving the funds. 
so that's that's something I also think is important to take into account as well, um, because that means that you know if you're doing business with people, you should primarily do business with people that you know and trust if you're if you're using Bitcoin, um, or at least who have an established rep- reputation. So if you're going to do business with someone using Bitcoin, you should make sure that either one you trust those people, or two you've confirmed with other people that they're good to do business with. So it still comes back to the old-fashioned way. You deal with a vendor that you know is honest, or at least you believe is honest based on their reputation. So if you go on eBay, and eBay accepts Bitcoin, I don't think they do. But if eBay were to accept Bitcoin, and you know that seller has a 99.9% reputation, you know there's a pretty decent chance that you'll get the product that you paid for, it will be the product that was advertised, and so you pay. So will an eBay or PayPal consider Bitcoin? So actually, Gene, eBay and PayPal have, I mean, this was, uh, I mean, a couple of years ago, they did confirm that they were planning to allow merchants to accept Bitcoin payments through third-party processors. And and so uh, PayPal also announced the same thing. I think they were planning to use a Bitcoin processor called Braintree. Um, so yeah, so they actually do accept Bitcoin, by the way. So does that mean, for example, if somebody wanted to send us a donation, they can select Bitcoin? They could do it through Bitcoin. They can. But they can. How would they do that? Uh, well, basically, when they make that uh, make the donation, PayPal would basically just do the conversion through Braintree, which is the third-party you know Bitcoin processor, um, and it would show up in your account as U.S. dollars if if that's what the, the currency that you want. Um, it's actually quite it's actually quite simple um, when you're using it from a from a consumer perspective. Um, they're they're really I mean you would basically have to tell them what your Bitcoin wallet address is and how much you're looking to convert uh, or to donate. And, uh, and the third-party processor would you know, basically seamlessly make that conversion for you on the back end. So if I go to send a payment from PayPal mm-hmm. and they want to choose the financial source, what I see is my bank account. What I see is a credit card or the PayPal balance. But is there an option to add Bitcoin as a payment source? There's an option to add Bitcoin. If you're a merchant, uh, which you would be if you were accepting payments, there is a way uh, that, and, and, and I, don't, I, you know, I don't have the, the FAQ, but, um, uh, but I do know that PayPal and eBay both, do, uh, both allow for payments to be made in the form of Bitcoin. And, and they're not doing the processing themselves. They're integrated with a third-party processor. So it's really a series of redirects. And of course, you'd have to add your, you know, if you're paying with Bitcoin, you have to add your, the address for your Bitcoin wallet. Um, and that's how, that's how it would access your Bitcoins. And that, that Bitcoin processor uh, has the capability to then check the rates, the current rate of Bitcoin to U.S. dollars or to whatever currency, and then make that conversion and direct that to PayPal or eBay. Okay, so what I see here is you have to sign up with Braintree, which is a PayPal service. That's uh, that's correct. It, it, well, PayPal is integrated with Braintree to do Bitcoin processing, yes. Okay, so I have to sign up or something to set this up as an alternative You have to sign up with Braintree. Thing. Okay. And that's, and that's why I said it's a series of redirects, because you have to have, an account, you have, to have a Braintree account. And, um, but, but your question, your original question was, 
does eBay, do eBay and PayPal allow you to use Bitcoin? And the answer is yes, they do through a third party. So once I set this up, if someone wants to pay me with Bitcoin, and I've not had that request very often, then there's obviously that possibility. All right, let's look at that. In our final segment, in a couple of seconds here, what other key security threats are we looking into now? Well, right now, the biggest concerns, um, you know, that that we're really looking at, um, one, is is the use of the other cyber weapons that were stolen from the the NSA, um, and when those will be used, because we're expecting that they will be, and we're expecting that there will be another series of waves of cyber attacks coming um, over the next six to eight months. Um, we're also looking into the the interesting cybersecurity or really the data protection regulations coming out of the European Union. And uh, that's going to be quite interesting because it's one of the first times we're seeing a regulation come out of a government or a series of governments that actually has uh, very sharp teeth. Uh, the penalty for not... Uh, let's go into the penalties in our next segment. Our final segment coming up where we'll discuss the penalties with Dr. Timothy Summers, ethical hacker. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Are you living your passion? Are you pumped to go to work because you get to talk about or work with or do the things that interest you the most? Is working, playing, and relaxing one and the same? As long as you're working for someone else, you'll never be living entirely true to yourself and your passion. I'm Pharmacist Keith. Let me show you how you can work around your current schedule, create the extra income so you can live your passion. Visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com. Radio.recordedvideo.com.
Anytime, any place, anywhere. Radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Join me, George Norrie, in Joshua Tree, California, May 19th through the 22nd for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, a weekend of in-depth exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, and new evidence of ongoing contact. The conference will feature panels, lectures, films, workshops, and field work with leading experts, including me, Dr. Stephen Greer, Giorgio Sukalos, David Wilcock, Corey Good, Graham Hancock, Linda Moulton Howe, Jim Mars, Michael Tellinger, Eric Von Donneken, Doc Wallach, and many, many more of the biggest names in ufology. Joshua Tree Retreat Center offers the perfect place for sightings through the clear desert sky. Last year, hundreds saw several real craft up there as we reported on Coast to Coast. Tickets to Contact in the Desert are available at contactinthedesert.com. That's contactinthedesert.com or by calling 323-721-1743. That's 323-721-1743. Welcome aboard. Your new science fiction adventure is ready to launch. Discover an amazing journey at galaxyquestbooks.com. Start a new sci-fi adventure with the Guardian series, a classic sci-fi mystery that starts 500 years in the future. From author D. Arthur Gussner. Series available from Barnes & Noble or Amazon as paperback or ebooks. Galaxyquestbooks.com, where the adventure begins. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Dr. Timothy Summers for one more segment of the Tech Night Owl live. So here. Let's continue this frame of discussion. So, for example, the General Data Protection Regulation, or the GDPR as it's known, is a new data protection regulation coming out of the European Union. And it's one of the first times we're seeing a regulation of its kind that actually has uh, sharp teeth. And what I mean by that is the penalties are quite high. You can be penalized up to 4% of your global turnover, which could be incredibly high, uh, and or you can be banned from doing business in the EU in totality. So what's happening here now that we have this Brexit stuff going on in the UK? That's going to split everything off from this? Not necessarily. That's a question that we, you know, that people ask a lot. I mean, the, the question about, oh, well, the EU is not going to be susceptible or susceptible here, right? And it's like, well, not necessarily. The UK still has a lot of companies that do business with those European countries. So if you do business or have any consumers using your, your company or your services in Europe, you are held to the general data protection regulation. So this is something that this is a, a standard that all of the 28 countries in the EU have agreed upon. Most of the time, pretty much a good chunk of the time, uh, if you're doing business and you have a global presence, you probably have 
clients or customers that are in the EU. So just because you're doing business in the UK does not mean you're exempt. There you go. What about in the United States? What are they doing? Well, the United States really has has not changed its um, you know its data protection regulations in, a, in quite some time. I mean, we've got HIPAA, right? We've got um, the GLBA. I mean, we we really haven't uh, made substantial changes uh, as they're making in the EU. And of course, you know, this whole concept coming out of Europe about the consumer's right to be forgotten, uh, which is a really fascinating concept, which essentially means that if you decided that you wanted to leave Facebook, for example, you, you no longer wanted your Facebook account, the right to be forgotten means that Facebook has to delete all of the information that it has about you because you no longer want to be a part of Facebook. And that's not what companies like Facebook currently do. If you sign up with Facebook and you cancel your Facebook account, Facebook keeps that data. But under the right to be forgotten, Facebook will have to change its practices. You know, so these are some things that American companies are having to really consider, especially if they do business uh, internationally. So the biggest changes in the world right now with regard to data protection are, are tied to Europe. But I do expect that we will see some new regulations coming out of the United States, especially as the, the current administration, the Trump administration, has been making, uh, they just recently signed this executive order on cyber. So we're kind of waiting to see what comes out of that. Do executive orders count for much? You know, a lot of times these executive orders are mostly advisory. That's a good point, Gene. And, you know, we really aren't sure, right? We're we're really not sure what it's going to mean. What we do know is that this new Trump order, right, which, which I think they were calling it the presidential executive order on strengthening the cybersecurity of federal networks and critical infrastructure. It's quite a mouthful. (laughs) Uh, But it essentially builds on the existing policies and initiatives uh, left over from the Obama administration, which is exactly what I expected. Cybersecurity is so complicated that the administration, it's obvious they just aren't really sure what to do with it with regard to should we change anything from the previous administration. And actually, the Obama administration did a pretty comprehensive job as far as you could expect from a White House, from the White House. So the Trump administration is really just going to continue what the Obama administration had already done. And, and that's about as much as we're going to see right now, from the government at least. I suppose we're going to have to see where that takes us. Yeah, I mean, it, it really hasn't changed very much uh, over the past 10 years, right? So we can expect that the next 10 years will, I mean, you know, presuming that we don't have a, another president come in and make some radical changes at some point. But if the assumption is that we had our current administration for two terms, then we could expect that the, the cybersecurity side of things will look pretty much the same as it has with the previous administration. I, and, and that's what, that's why really we can go back to my previous statements that I really think a lot of the cybersecurity innovation is going to come out of the private sector as opposed to the government. And if, you're, if your listeners are, are interested in knowing what the previous plan for cyber was, under the Obama administration, it, it was called the Cyber National Action Plan or CNAP, um, and it was published in February of 2016. And as I said, this new presidential executive order builds off of the CNAP. Well, I'm waiting for all the things to happen. What are we looking forward in the next year or two, do you think, in tools that may help regular people deal with security, or will there be any? 
Yeah, you know, that's that's really one of the biggest challenges. And, and you know, in the in academia, uh, we're really looking for academics to be uh, a part of that conversation. Uh, there really hasn't been, um, there have been a lot of private companies that have been coming out with new technologies and new services to provide support to consumers. Um, there really hasn't been enough development on the, uh, on the, 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 I mean, the government is doing some some work as well. We've seen DHS um, do some programs, but uh, we really do need a lot more support from academia and from local government and, and local municipalities with regard to helping consumers build up their cyber awareness. And one of the biggest challenges that we're having right now, Gene, is, uh, with regard to com- uh, community engagement is really incorporating cybersecurity into the community engagement piece. And and that's something that I'm really hoping we can do a lot more of uh, over the next year um, and, and forward. But we should expect to see many more of these massive cyber attacks happening over the next year. Well, we're all going to look at those headlines and hope that people learn their lessons. And the lesson I'll give people is, hey, you're using Windows XP. I don't know what it takes to get rid of it. Get rid of it. You're using Windows Vista. Get rid of it. It's not much newer. You're using Windows 7. You're okay for a while. But Windows 7 is what, 2009? When does that expire? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I'm not quite sure when Microsoft is cutting off support for it, but I'm pretty sure that um, it's probably a good time for you to go ahead and, and try to stay up to date on those operating systems. Okay, let me give you the results here. Microsoft ended mainstream support for Windows 7 on January 13, 2015, but extended support won't end until January 14, 2020. 2020. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's, I, I knew it was uh, a couple of years from now. So, so Windows 7, the final plug will be pulled. January 2020. So <laughs> you better make sure you uh, you go ahead and, and update before then if, you, if you're running Windows 7. Borrowed time. Tim Summers, please tell our listeners where we can find more of the stuff you do. Thanks, Gene. Uh, your listeners can find me on Twitter and on pretty much most social media at How Hackers Think. Um, you can also find me on my website at www.howhackersthink.com and at the University of Maryland College Park iSchool. You can find us on Twitter. Look for Tech Night Owl. Look for Gene Steinberg on Facebook, the guy with the plaid shirt. Look for our other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Powercast at Powercast.com. This week, we interview former agent Walter Bosley about government interference in the UFO field that maybe some of the things people saw in the skies, particularly years ago, were really government operations of some sort, experimentation, whatever, Paracast.com. The number one best way to support the Tech Night Owl Live, by the way, is to become a subscriber to Tech Night Owl Plus. We give you a commercial-free version of this show, better quality audio, and we welcome your support. Check out plus.technightowl.com. That's plus.technightowl.com. You do pay with PayPal or a major credit card, and we are exploring Bitcoin. Let's see if we can set this thing up. Plus.technightowl.com. Tim Summers, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks, Gene. 
is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.